0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: Hi, my name is Bob Bunyansky, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is Transformers, episode four, covering a period of the Transformers from 1988 to 1989. I am your host, Curtis Findlay. And I'm your Transformers expert, Peter Haw. This is uh, the
2: halfway mark of this series, right? We're going to re- approach kind of the halfway mark. Yeah, it's uh, book four. And it's funny because I was talking to Curtis before we started that uh, while this may be the halfway point for the comics, at this time, 1988, this is nearing, I feel like this is past the prime time of Transformers. The, the, sh- the show's ended. The show is ended. The movie's out. movie's over. E- over. Yes, yeah. The show only came
0: out in 84. 5 right or is it eight, or before that 84 84 oh yeah that makes sense so 84 season 1 85 is season, season 2, two and, and then it was movie the movie 86 with season
2: 3 after that right 87 was when the co- when the show ended so this is already this past, is, this past is already the past the show. Yeah. Um. And as much as the comics has a lot of things going for it that make it in some way superior to the television show, the television show ultimately drives most of the sales yeah. and the popularity of it. So. Um, and
0: it's like, it's not even that they can they get freed up uh, to do what they want in the comics because but because the the comics never really had any bearing on the or the TV show never had any bearing on the comics to begin with so the fact that it's over like the TV show over doesn't
2: matter for the comics well it does it does in a way because you, you think about it, like you still have kids who let's say they're into it they'll st- they'll still pick up an issue at the newsstand or at, at, the, at the grocery store right yeah because that's what a lot of my friends they would have one off issues they, we'd have no idea what was going on because they to be in the middle of a storyline yeah and it had nothing to do with the TV show but you still buy the comic but right. if by you know if the show's over you're less likely to do that I suppose well yeah and then they've
0: moved on to other things it's like now duck Tales is out and everyone's into that. I know I was.
2: <laughs> I know you were into DuckTales. Uh, I love DuckTales I'm to so think. much. It was, for me, it was Transformers and then after Transformers was Ghostbusters. Oh, of course, Ghostbusters. It was Ghostbusters, yep. and Ninja it was a huge Turtles. market, and Ninja
0: Turtles yep. was around. Actually, yeah, right? now, that would have taken over. Like Any kid who was watching Saturday morning cartoons probably would have forgotten all about Transformers. Oh, they did. Like that, that's right. why yep.
2: I felt I was one of the ones who was super sad because I never forgot.
1: <laughs> I never <laughs>
2: forgot. but Anyway. When I started seeing, you know, when I started noticing that they started disappearing from toy shelves, and yeah, that was that was sad. that was around this time, Because yep. yeah, but this time it was the real Ghostbusters, yeah. And then Ninja Turtles would reign supreme for the for the next little while, and until the mid '90s, yeah. It was it was longer than Transformers. I almost feel like I mean, I mean, they're still going now. That's that's true. Well, well so is right. Transformers. So is Transformers. But that's kind of that's Michael Bay. <laughs> No, that there's back. new shows coming. No, no, out. there is. I know, but that that this whole renaissance is as much as I. And I said this last time. As much as I don't like the Michael Bay movies, I have to credit them where credits due for
0: bringing for back bringing it back pop culture, right? yeah. yeah, relevance and stuff. So, yeah. But,
2: but yeah, was anyway, interesting
0: because now, now, and you said this before we were recording. Um, now, because the kids have forgotten about Transformers, it's the teenagers, I guess and older fans who are now driving the comic sales. Yeah, yeah. And I and I
2: feel that uh, not, maybe towards the end of this issue, um, you'll see that the, the it goes in a much darker direction. Yeah. Because I don't think you're going to have six-year-olds, seven-year-olds buying this comic anymore, right? And so they can do, especially when they start amalgamating the, uh, the 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 UK style of comics into the mainstream American comics. Right. It's very different. And that's what we're going to see in, in Volume 5 in our next episode episode
0: but this one this episode deals with Transformers issues number 39 to 50 and this marks pretty much the end of Bob Budiansky's run as writer he's been writing since the very first issue the legend
2: yeah <laughs> yeah I mean yeah and, that, and there you go right again this is another milestone is because this is the end of basically what of the original concept you know, of, of what he created yeah and, you know at some point I was like I I'm he probably feels you'll see when we get to the end of the issue I think he feels pretty <laughs> satisfied pretty pleased himself. <laughs> <laughs> then i guess the thing that we need to do now is just jump right into our issues all right so our first issue is issue 39 uh, the cover has a glorious shot of fortress maximus uh, getting impaled by some kind of javelin it's a great cover yeah they we 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 talked it's so funny because i i will read modern comics Uh, between our little sessions uh, talking about Transformers. And every time I go back to a Transformers issue and I see the old artwork, the old style, the coloring of the pages, I feel like I'm a kid again because there's so many things that they do in this comic that they just don't do anymore. This style, the fact that the cover... Reflects what happens on the inside. Yeah, (laughs) actually is like a... (laughs) like, ooh, you're like, wow, is that going to happen? But even the the first panel of just uh, Buster passed out on the beach, like the coloring, the cheesy title that's like etched into the sand... The desert <laughs> island of space. Oh, uh, yeah. It's definitely a different era, that's for sure. The coloring, too. Like, yeah, I'm just, I, just, I can't remember. I, I think the first time I saw modern coloring in comics was when Image first came out and Spawn, yeah. like the way they colored it. It wasn't the old newsprint style of coloring. And so when you go back to this style, it looks like an Archie comic to me. <laughs> is that a bad thing or a good thing? It's good uh, for me. Um, I think some kids would look at it like this is like it's
0: an antique it's true I have a hard time getting my kids to read old comic books because just of the way it looks and they have the same thing as like um they they would I, I tried to get them to watch a reboot which they would love because it's all about video games but oh no they, they would hate they can't it take they would it. hate it
2: they would hate it they're so used to seeing the Pixar, are you know and it's like I'm looking at this right now I bet you if this was in black and white they'd be more inclined to read it more like, like man- manga or something just like yeah because it uh, it's you know what this looks like to me this looks like you know when they take old black and white films and they colorize them but they yeah. don't do a very good job of it yeah this is kind of reminding me of that <laughs>
0: well part of that is the restoration in in this book itself because some oh of no no, the no. restoration and, and, is absolutely and to terrible all the people in who, you know, the
2: idw transformers all the people who love the old style coloring i i'm still with you i love it but i'm just saying i could totally see why a kid would not be interested in looking at this because it does look very primitive by today's standards there's just preconceived
0: notions i think that go along with it i remember when sin city came out i was talking to to a, a kid who, first of all, shouldn't have shouldn't watch that movie because it's just awful for children. But they were like, "No, I don't want to see that movie because it's in black and white and that really that means it's old, right?" That's that was their <laughs> that was the, just the perception they had, and that's I think can be uh,
2: the same thing when you look at old comics like this. Like um, for the you listeners out there that um, I, I am a school teacher and uh, I I love high school, right? Uh, not anymore. I, I teach uh, I teach elementary school. Oh yeah yeah. yeah um but i i will like i love stuff from the 80s and from the 70s even and you know it's sometimes the stuff the storylines are so great i i just it breaks my heart cuz i just can't convince <laughs> sometimes a kid will watch like it. Mr. how that was amazing like, like i know it was great and then other ones will be like i couldn't get past the art, i couldn't get past the artwork or or the poor animation Yeah. right from the 70s it's like <laughs> well depending on what you're watching like the 70s and
0: the 80s did ha- The TV animation was pretty piss poor. It was really bad. Like, wait, you mean like (laughs) Hanna-Barbera? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the graphic style of classic 60s Hanna-Barbera is excellent, but the animation is terrible. Like, it's just still movements. Like, they move one arm or something like that, and, like, they have the rotating backgrounds or whatever. It's, like, it's nothing special. Um, I, I love the old, like, back... We're, we're going off a major we're on a very big <laughs> but like the here. the old um, Looney
2: Tunes from the 30s and 40s I love that stuff yeah but that was that that was a different that was held to a different standard like, absolutely right? it was for sure you know how sometimes they uh, you, you see like some ancient architecture like how they build that that's a lost art like the people who <laughs> built that no one can explain how they built it anymore I feel like that when I look at those old 1930s yeah, Looney right? Tunes <laughs> or Tom and Jerry yeah because I'm like you know you have computers and everything like that it never looks as good as that yeah that old cel-shaded painting oh jeez. sorry but did, <laughs> have you ever actually you, you've obviously seen it but like even when you watch like the old documentaries about how they did the the paneling in old disney yeah animation the, or the, the, the the multi-plane, the, camera. The multi-plane yeah. camera i'm just mm-hmm. like it's so primitive, but amazing.
0: But so effective, it's, yeah. It's, and maybe it's because- That opening scene in Pinocchio, if you yeah, actually yeah. know the technique behind fan,
2: it. It's a phenomenal, and yeah. I think it's also cool because it's easy and accessible enough that we can understand how they did it. Yeah. Like when you tell me, there's all those planes of glass layered. Yeah. I get it. If you tell me that there's a bunch of circuits inside a, inside this little box <laughs> that does all that, I'm not as impressed. I'm really not, right? right? Yeah, sure, the
0: hair looks real, but it's just a, a program that- it look, yeah, look I know real something about. Or, I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Okay, yeah, so tra- oh, Transformers. But, transformers. Speaking Double of circuits, trans- so um,
0: we're back. Right, this is uh, this is issue number thirty nine. So in this one, Shockwave and Ratbat take they, they take Buster. They've kidnapped Buster in the last volume, um, and they've taken him to a remote island as a hostage. But it turns out that the island, the whole island, is a freaking space station. What was the
2: reason for the space station again? <laughs> like, w- they were, they were gathering something, or they 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 were okay. There's a there's a there's a anyway. The point is, Buster is on this island and he's being held hostage. Yeah, and uh, I love the way that they they interact
0: with him at the beginning. It's like, flushlings need food. We must give them food, and so they just grab some fish and throw it at him. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then this this issue also. What the part I like is. Um, is that Spike comes goes home? Yeah, and he hasn't seen his father since he's become a headmaster, and so he's wearing this huge trench coat. <laughs> and yeah, and you wouldn't know
2: that he, you know, he's probably double in thickness. He but t- he takes off the trench coat, and he's transformer underneath, and his dad is pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wh- what have you done to yourself? Yeah, he's got powers now, too. You can, like, trace phone calls just by touching it. Yeah. yeah. He, anyway, um, so the the Autobots are questioning, because uh, now Spike is now technically, I guess, the leader of, the tra- of this faction of Transformers, because yeah. he is now merged with Fortress Maximus. Right. And being, Fort Max being the leader now, Spike's leader, because Gallon died in the, in the was the last issue now? Yeah. It was the last volume. I can't remember if it was the last issue or not, but um, he wants to go rescue Buster from this island, and Cup is like... Like, he's too soft. He can't be our leader. Like, what's, who cares?
0: <laughs> uh, we also get a nice roll call. I love the roll calls. This always uh, is is fun because I was like, I don't know any of these guys' names. <laughs> they just throw so many people here. The target masters are in the main series for the first time here. So if you go to page uh, fifteen, there's a roll call with all of the target masters. And who their appropriate headmasters are, you know what is also sad about
2: this because they do it so often this is probably the only, it's a roll call, yes, but it's also one of the only times you'll ever ever see and they never see, them see them again. yeah, that's true I mean uh, they're only
0: there to sell the toys it is That's but why it, they it, do it, the roll calls it's
2: it's roll call, and you will occasionally see that character in the background, like maybe their arm in a panel <laughs> 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 Oh don't worry, don't worry, folks, Bud will take care of that later. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, the Throttlebots uh, are still inside little toy cars. And um, is it Agent Walter Forsyth? Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he's he been brought in to advise on how to deal with the Decepticons.
0: I like this character because he goes through transformation through this through this yeah. book. Yes, yes, he and does. And he has a good character arc.
2: Not one-dimensional. Um, what's happening? What's happening? Uh, yeah, the the island itself ends up becoming this rocket that is going to leave Earth. Kurt, why are they leaving Earth? Why are they leaving Earth? Um, I think I,
0: I don't even remember. Um, I guess we should probably clarify for our listeners that we planned to record this episode before the pandemic, which <laughs> was four months ago. So we read this like four months ago. Now we're trying to remember what happened in these issues. Um, they, I, I don't remember. I, I know that, were they trying to get, um, they're trying to follow, follow the uh, follow the arc because the arc took off in the last book. Yes. Um, that's where Grimlock, he took, he like resurrected the actual Autobot arc and took it into outer space. And that, uh, is, that changed the game for the Transformers now. The, the battle is no longer an Earth battle. And uh, so
2: maybe they're after that. And Skylinks is also in outer space at this point, too. Anyway, it, 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 it it's irrelevant. The point is the Decepticon little island base turns into a rocket ship, flies into the air, and Fort Max goes to uh, stop it and try to save his brother. And in the process, um, a glass roof panel on the rocket opens up and inside the now covered island, a palm tree opens up <laughs> and shoots this javelin that pierces Fort Max while they're in orbit around space. And, oh, okay, actually, this is actually a major um, plot point. Shockwave comes out of the ship to finish the job and ends up getting hit uh, by Fort Max's weaponry. And then you see on the top of page 27, um, this is the end of Shockwave. Wow. He burns into orbit. He has been a major antagonist in the series from near the... Actually, yeah. Like the third or fourth issue now an extremely formidable force from yeah. the beginning like even more
0: formidable than megatron Yeah, actually those guys. and
2: oddly enough <laughs> that, that, that that's that's true um, and now,
0: and this is his end and it's it's end. kind of ambiguous we don't really actually know if this is the end um he's burning up and stuff but uh but it's like <laughs> we don't see a body and he's still talking in the very last panel that we see so yeah. it's like is he really gone? We're not too sure, but there, at least we're, we're led of, to believe
2: he's gone. Yeah. He's disintegrated. Um, anyway, after that har- harrowing rescue, uh, the Autobots now accept Spike as their new leader. Except he has no body now because Fortress
0: Maximus is gone. Yeah, so he's just what's the name of the head? Cerebros. Yes, he's just Cerebrus. Um Okay, so the next in, next issue here is issue number forty, and I just want to read a little bit of something. Um, I asked for some comments from some listeners on Facebook. And Philip said that uh, he wrote a little thing, he says, uh, interesting stuff in there, and some evidence exists that issue 40, the pretenders, uh, and then the return of Optimus Prime, and the insertion of all of the 88 toys was a very late change of plans. Uh, And so he he wrote an article on a forum that he linked to me, and I just wanted to read some of this, because it's very interesting. In Marvel Age, issue number 61, uh, Marvel Age is a magazine that Marvel put out that had a whole bunch of articles promoting the the current stuff, interviews with creators and upcoming stuff. The solicitation for for issue number 40 is Grimlock versus Fortress Maximus. It's a fight to the death on the moon for the leadership of the Autobots, but there may not be any Autobot to lead, for the Decepticons are launching the most savage attack ever. Slaying Room Only is is what the t- the title of this issue is supposed to be called. Obviously, that's not this issue at all. No, that comes up later. Yeah, it's um it's issue forty one, uh, and so here's what he, this is what Philip th- thinks happens. Transformers issue forty Slaying Room Only was nearing completion as the conclusion of the Fortress Maximus and Headmaster's arrival on Earth, when word came down from Hasbro that an issue was needed to plug the Pretenders oh, and by the way, can we have something to plug the Power Masters and the new Optimus Prime toy as soon as well? And so...
2: That makes complete sense. Yeah,
0: so issue 40 is now called Pretender to the Throne. It's written and drawn quickly using the trapdoor that Budiansky had in mind for some while for bringing Optimus back. Like he he had that in his back pocket with the disc, right? Yep. And so it's like, obviously, if you need an issue, there it is. Uh, what else does he say here?
2: Wow, that that does that. So they it, needed an issue to plug the pretenders and and bring, bring Optimus back. back
0: because they had new Optimus toy.
2: And so now he he always had that.
0: Huh. So now he's bringing it back here. And so he says, "Slaying Room Only" is then reworked as "Totaled," which is the issue of forty one. Um, Uh, Inserting the brief bits with Bumblebee and Autobot Power Masters, which becomes issue 41. Issue 42 is done in a bit of a rush, too, leading uh, to a lot of Jose Delbo using stock images, especially for the Power Masters, for Power Masters Optimus Prime. And Delbo's collapsing in a heap, so issue 43 is an inventory issue. The big broadcast of 2006... And then issue forty-four is used to close off the other hanging plot thread of Skylinks and the space hikers, with Frank's Springer filling in on the art. Hmm. So yeah, a lot of things changing here. Yeah,
2: although it is nice because yeah, um, we'll we'll talk about when we get there. But there's a yeah, a couple of storylines finally get resolved. So. So having said that, um, this is the issue called
0: Pretender to the Throne, and it is the issue where the Autobots discover that, or they get word that Optimus is alive in a video game, and Scorponok turns turns Decepticons into pretenders um, to counter... And, and the um, Autobots counter by doing the same thing. Of course they do. <laughs>
2: um, if you uh, listeners do not know what a pretender is, it was this line of Transformers that came out in 1988. That would be Eight. when
0: this issue came out. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, that's convenient. How it just ties perfectly. Let me just d- double check my source on it. I'm pretty sure it was 1988 because it would make sense. It obviously would come out when uh, um, when, they're when they're promoting the it. issue here. I have a Bible here of uh, of years and dates of when certain toys were released. Um, check. 88, 88, 88. Yes, 88 was when the Pretenders showed up. So, uh, a Pretender is a, when you buy it, it was, it looked like a person wearing kind of some kind of space armor. The Decepticons had more creature looking uh, Pretenders, so they're like, uh, like monsters, uh, oxen, and that kind of thing. And all it was, it was the size of a... See, as a kid, I would say I would say it's a bit bigger than a Ninja Turtle. Okay. Um, and what you would do is if you... It would split down the side. So there'd be the front half of the Pretender shell and the back half. And when you split it in half, inside would be the actual Transformer. And then you can pull him out and you could transform him. Um, and I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> it, yeah. it was so dumb. <laughs> um, apparently they sold well. Um, and I'm not going to lie. This is the thing where I, I, remember when I first saw the commercial, I thought it looked stupid and the comics kind of sold me on it. How, I, they sold you on how cool they were or how stupid they were? It, how cool they were. Oh, okay. Um, because at first I'm like, why would you need a shell? That's dumb. <laughs> But then in the comics, they would say stuff like, when you're in the shell, it could heal, it would repair you. Ah. So that was one way. Also, when you were out of the shell, Um, the shell itself could be remote controlled by the robot. So it was like having two soldiers ah. instead of just having the one. That can't come in handy, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. And so, yeah, I'm like, okay, all right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, I'm buying it a bit, but when you when it first came out, you're like, why would? Because the whole concept of Transformers was they're robots in disguise. Yeah, right, right. And then that the people. The commercial, the, the commercial came out and it made it seem like. Autobot the Transformers have found a way to disguise themselves I'm like they already did (laughs) why why, why are you putting because the thing is also the Autobots their shells were human looking and so but they're still the same size as a Transformer which is huge which is huge (laughs) so I don't understand how turning yourself into a 40 foot tall human being right is helping (laughs) that train anyway it's interesting they they even say there's a line in this issue when you get to it anyway What's the line? What's the line? Hang on. It's on, uh, it's when, it's when the Decepticon pretenders are about to fight the Autobot pretenders. Oh yeah, it's on page, uh, 46. Um, so the Decepticon pretenders, the new Decepticon pretenders that that Scorponok made, they're flying to go fight and they're like... Oh yeah. Describe what you see, bombers. (laughs) A building with six humans guarding it. Cast them aside and enter that building. But they're awfully big for humans. (laughs) Idiot! That only means their cowardice is greater. It's like, what are you? <laughs> and then they get in this fight and they split i'm like what
0: what <laughs> oh it
2: was i'm sorry i just <laughs> It with the with the renaissance of transformers and everyone loving transformers everyone loves classic g1 yeah. original designs you i don't think they're ever going to make a redesign of a pretender i'm sorry <laughs> it's not it's just not happened. It is interesting to trace
0: though the the evolution of these toys and how they're becoming more and more human based or incorporating humans more and more. Um, because like they, they when the toys started off, it was just robots, just robots, just robots vehicles and stuff,
2: and not just vehicles. They were uh, vehicles. They were all based on real things. So like the vehicles that the original Autobots turned into, they were actual vehicles. Megatron turned into a real gun. Yeah, right. All licensed. Right. Um, but and- then you get for Further along and it's now
0: they've introduced the headmasters which incorporate little people um
2: yeah and and everything and this is one of the reasons why <clears throat> At by this point when i was a kid i i i wasn't as big of a fan it was after the movie after the 1986 movie had come out because in the movie they had it took place in the future and so and they were a space it was a space-faring adventure now and so a lot of the designs that they turned into were science fiction yeah and in some cases they turned into things that you couldn't you you've never seen that vehicle before so you don't know how good of a representation it actually is and so I felt like a lot of the designs ended up being nonsense like you fold a couple of arms you fold an arm this way a leg that way and you have a, you only know it's a car because they tell you it's a car <laughs> yeah hey Kurt do you, do you remember when we were playing with Lego as kids do you remember, do you remember uh, it was a, it was a one series it was after Ice Planet it, I think it was Time Travelers do you remember that? Uh, no I definitely remember Ice Planet though you remember was Ice great. Planet oh yeah it was after that it was one Lego series called Time Travelers and it was wacky scientists building time machines traveling through time you look it up later okay and all it was was they took random lego pieces put them together to make these goofy vehicles (laughs) yeah and there was it it, it, there's a point where you're like i'm pretty sure they just took a bunch of random pieces and put them together and tried selling us sets (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. it was very... They had all um, the leftover sets that they All the leftover pieces before. they couldn't sell. They just made <laughs> sets out of them. And I was like, what if you... And if you look it up, you'll see what I'm talking about. There's ads for it on YouTube, too. You'll see. And that's how I felt about this era of Transformers. Just like, let's just throw it on the wall and see what sticks. But that's kind of always been Transformers' thing. Because they had the multiple
0: license they were trying to mush into one. Yes, it's tr- true. Like, they they did that from the very so start. So I'll give them
2: this. I'll give them this. At least there's consistency now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, like, but, oh. I, uh, no, nah, pretend. And um, anyway, back to this issue. <laughs> toy wise, yeah, meh. comic wise, they did sell it on me later on, especially because uh, some of these pretender characters they become very prominent later on. Well, the cool thing about these characters, I think, is that it gives
0: Jose Delbo a chance to draw something other than giant robots, because especially the Decepticon pretenders look very cool. That's I a, like their yeah, designs; they're very different. Yeah, and you, like I can tell them apart easier than all of the uh, the Target Masters and, and Headmasters that <laughs> were introduced. Just recently as well, yeah. Um, Jose Delbo is a is a great artist. I think he does a really really nice job here. Um, he hasn't been on the book for very long. I think he did a couple issues in the previous book that we talked about, and now he's kind of the regular guy. and And he's a really good storyteller. I like how he lays out his panels. I like how he um, how he he forms his action. So if you go to page forty and forty one, this is the scene where um Scorponok is is making his uh, pretenders at the same time that Optimus Prime is being pulled out of the computer. Uh, and you can see that that Scorpionox panels are just in a regular thin border and Optimus's panels are in a thick purple border just to give us the difference between the two parallel stories that are being told at the oh, same time. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, a cool yeah. little effect that he does there just to help the reader visualize a little bit what's going on um, but also to let us know that it's happening at the same time. So it's little cool things like that. Um, and he again, he does an awesome job with the uh, with the pretenders, and I feel like even his robot designs are much more precise and grounded than Don Perlin, who had been doing so many of the issues before this. Mm. Okay, so Scorponok is so Scorponok is a is a headmaster, right? Yep. So he's got a human controlling him. Is that right? Or how does this work exactly?
2: The way that they've done it in the comics is that Scorponok is still Scorponok, but now his mind has been combined with Lord Zarek. Okay, so Lord Zarek, not human, because they're aliens, obviously. Yeah. But
0: humanoid. Yeah, aliens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, he down, he, Scorponok downloads his... Himself into the game yeah. in this issue, but w- wouldn't he not be able to because technically he's got an organic mind no, there.
2: It's I th- their brains have now combined; they're both one and the same. So it's organic and and mechanical. Like Zarak's personality is now in the Scorponok personality, and vice versa. Okay, you'll see the more of this later on because yeah. it's not just the headmasters; you, the power masters are the same way. Um, their their personalities commingle. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. Next issue. Great. Well, issue. do you want
0: to say anything about the, the um, about Optimus Prime coming back? I think you know what it is, Kurt. I'm, I'm kind of fatigued <laughs> by <laughs> the number of times.
2: Actually, let me see that. In the comics, how many times has he died? Once.
0: Twice? I think this is only the second time, but he's gone for a long time. Yeah, yeah.
2: Honestly, dude, maybe, maybe, it's maybe because I I can't see this objectively right now because I've seen him die so many times. <laughs> yeah, like oh, is he coming back? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we've seen yeah we've seen it before. And like it's uh, we were just talking about it when we did the uh, the episode about the movie. Right. And every media, every version of Transformers has had Optimus die several times. <laughs> so I I don't know. He's coming back, but it's like yeah. in the name. Nature of the the characters is like the, these robots. They just get trashed, and you can rebuild them. And unless it's not profitable to do so, because <laughs> like even later on, yeah, I keep alluding to later on in this issue. Some stuff happens later on that I'm just like, okay. um, what do you think about Scorponok, Kurt?
0: Um, Scorponok has been okay. He's not. I mean, he's just a blowhard. You know, over the top kind of villain. The villain. He's just the he's villain,
2: just right? a villain. You're going to—I think that's why you're going to love a lot of what's going to happen to him later. Okay. Yeah. So just hang in there. Hang okay. in there. There's a lot. This is why after this issue and later on when the the English
0: stuff comes in. I didn't—like, my thing about him is that he doesn't have any motivation except we are at war with those guys, so we need to destroy those guys. Like, that's his, really his only thing. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have any greater aspirations. Uh, and There's no
2: internal conflict
0: either. Yeah, and, and that's, like, even Megatron had a little bit of internal conflict, even though he was kind of lame as well. Um, <laughs> Shockwave <laughs> was, is the best out of all of them.
2: Actually, yeah, you're right. Shockwave would be the best villain. Ratbat, not so no. much. <laughs> rat, <laughs> no, not Ratbat. I, I, I don't know why he chose Ratbat to be the guy. Like, such a high position of power. Yeah. It's like, Ugh.
0: Yep. <laughs> kind of a silly toy as well, I think. Like, no, he's just a
2: cassette. He's a, uh, my, he, he was a cool toy. But you would have figured you would have taken one the more expensive Transformers and made him. It's like, it's like the kid who, <laughs> who got was a oh, no, rat bat toy. Yeah, yeah like, Well, no, that's the thing. It was like, oh, boy, the little toy, that the only one I have gets to be the leader. Sweet. <laughs> <Yeah. sighs>
0: okay, issue number 51. It's called Total. 41 41, 41. 41. 41. What an awesome cover this one is. Oh, that's a great cover. I love that They cover. They crammed so many Transformers into this one... This one cover. And um, and it's drawn well. Like It's it, drawn very, very well. Yeah. yeah. It, and it's and it's it's kind of messy, like it's a scattered kind of a cover. Like it doesn't have a real focal point it or anything. It looks like a Where's Waldo um, page. And that's kind of okay, because that's how our bedrooms looked when <laughs> we were playing with Transformers. <laughs> um, and it, interesting to note, though, that Optimus Prime is nowhere on this cover. Of course, because this is
2: happening on the moon, and Optimus Prime is not on the moon. Um, so the Autobots right now, um, they have Optimus's personality. They managed to save it, but they're trying to build him a body, and they just can't do it. Every body they try building for him just keeps blowing up. Um, and so,
0: just because they're not good at building robots,
2: I, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> there's just nothing they can build that can withstand the might of Optimus. Uh, the uh, so we, what we have right now, the faction that we're following right now it is the headmasters, target masters, um, who and and Goldbug who have uh, Optimus's personality, and they have discovered the Ark, which is the other faction of Autobots. They're the ones being led by Grimlock right now. Yep, uh, a lot of the original Earth Autobots and the Dinobots, and then the other team is. Sort of being led by Blaster, right? Is Blaster? Is he? Well, well okay. Blaster is. Or not, but... He's in the brig right now. They caught him. Oh, so, right. Yeah, I remember. So this, it is, all this right has been now, a while yeah. now because yeah. this. The, I don't even. Was this even last issue? Was last volume? Was, yeah. Was that storyline last volume? It was. It was like the middle of last
0: volume. I think so. It has been a while since we have touched a long base. Time. That's
2: right. Because Blaster saved those kids. Him and Skylink got chased and then cornered eventually by uh, the Dinobots. Right. And we and never knew him. what the That's fate right. of Blaster was. So on the Ark right now, they're, so the, the, the Grimlock faction is flying around space in the Ark, and Blaster, we find out, he's in the brig. They just have him uh, in, in prison right now.
0: I was really looking forward to a... Um a big showdown between Optimus Prime and Grimlock over who's going to lead the Autobots because I can imagine that Grimlock's not going to give that up easily uh, because he's he's crowned himself king (laughs) they've really made
2: him into a buffoon
0: but they they never bring it up he just uh, they they never have that
2: encounter where they meet up again so I was quite disappointed by that Mm. Uh, so Fort Max meets Grimlock Um, they want to combine forces but uh, Grimlock I believe he challenges fort max to a battle for leadership of all the autobots which uh fort max agrees to yeah and uh I love uh page 64 and 65 if you were uh if you're an army builder that would make you really happy to see because you see uh on page 64 you see the gridlock faction <laughs> walking out and he's drawn yeah basically everybody it's walking out of the arc and then on the on the second page on the first panel you see all of fort Max's forces walking out of their ship and uh yeah it's just, it's just I, I don't know i i just love seeing every single transform uh, every every autobot getting ready to watch their leaders rumble and uh omega supreme who is once again subject to size constraints who is now just a hair taller than blaster <laughs> yeah um uh wait, oh whoops, we missed something. Um Blaster is gonna fight in place of Fortress Maximus. How did that happen again? <laughs> wait, I'm 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 having trouble here. Oh that's right. Blaster volunteers to fight in place of Fortress Maximus. And so Blaster ends up fighting Grimlock. And uh, I, I like Blaster. I've told you before, Blaster is my favorite Autobot in the in the original comics. And as much as I like him, Grimlock should have destroyed him. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Like badly. <laughs> But it's it's a great fight they end up getting in this huge scrap everybody's watching and then their fight ends up uh going far away and while they're busy while everyone's distracted by the autobot by Grimlock and and blaster fighting lo and behold the decepticons sneak up on everybody and start destroying everybody
0: <laughs> man another great page on page 69 of um, all of the autobots I mean this decepticons coming out of their their flying island there
2: yeah the island that uh the Fort Max's body got destroyed uh, earlier. Um, and we see the
0: Constructicons and the Predicons, and- Yeah, um, this is a great issue. There's <laughs> just, and that splash page on page 70- 70, 70, yeah. With Omega Supreme there, and
2: like, it's so awesome. Yeah, the, this is this is what happens when you have a rich kid who has every single toy, and he just like has them throw down in his bedroom. <laughs> this, is, this is what you'd imagine it would look like.
0: And I just like, the, everybody's here. Jetfire, whom we haven't seen in a long time, it has a panel devoted to him. and. And Brawn and Swindle and, like, all of these guys, like, um, they're all getting destroyed and stuff, but...
2: (laughs) Here is another issue I have about this, is that I, you see guys get destroyed, but you don't know if it's permanent. Like, if you look on page uh, 71, right in the middle, there's a part where Swindle blows up Brawn, right? Yeah. And you see braun getting destroyed. Now, Braun died in the movie um, from a shot to his back, <laughs> <laughs> right. and he died, and you knew he died. You just see his wheels falling off. You see him getting a direct hit, but I'm pretty sure he ends up being okay after this. This is what I, I have the issue with. I don't know when someone died, died or <laughs> yeah. just died, especially later on. It's, right. It's like, anyway, um, the, it's it hard uh, to
0: tell in a, in a, in a when a, because there's so much chaos going yeah. on in this battle right now
2: the Constructicons have snuck into the arc and pulled out the deactivated bodies of Transformers that had died a long time ago so yeah. you see them bring out the case there's a Starscream case Thundercracker Skywarp Buzzsaw they were the Transformers oh and Frenzy they were all the ones who were destroyed by Omega Supreme ages ago yeah issue it, 19 yeah yeah it's amazing. amazing and so this fight is happening I mean, and then finally oh and this is something that's all so neat Um, and they allude this to, the, they, they mentioned this also before in the in the book itself, that there is no sound that's happening yeah. right now.
0: Yeah, I thought I made a note of that too. It's kind of cool there's, that they, they pay attention to the fact that there's no sound effects yeah. in the space
2: battle at all, because, because yeah. there is
0: no sound in space.
2: Um, they're all communicating through radio only, and that's why Blaster and Grimlock didn't even know this was happening, because they are so far away, they didn't hear. Because there's nothing to hear. There's nothing to hear. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like that, that effect. I think it's very nice. So they realize, oh no, what are we doing? We gotta, we gotta go get into this fight. And so they come back and they turn the tide. Like yeah, page uh, 74, middle panel. Grimlock literally impales Dragstrip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> right? I'm pretty sure he's okay. Go figure. And oh, well, in yeah, sec- and it looks like in this the panel after that it looks like he, I think that's 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 Blitzwing's colors. I'm pretty sure he just slices cut, him in half. Slices in half
0: <laughs> with his cool sword.
2: Yeah. So you know, I don't know. It's a cool battle nonetheless. I thought it was
0: a really great conclusion or at least a climax to this story. Yeah. Uh because like so much had like it's been a long time since we've had an actual war in Transformers because they're fighting they've been fighting a war for centuries but we haven't actually had a war type of a battle like forever this is like the biggest battle this is huge and it's it's exciting and I think a lot of that is to Jose Delbo's credit like he he pulls out all the stops here and it's really really great Um, at the
2: end of the issue uh, the Autobots have won the day there's a lot of uh scraps scraps there's a lot of bodies on the ground at the end we don't actually have a full head count of who has been destroyed or not i'm pretty sure though that in this issue despite the massive battle that just happened um no one has gone permanently offline in this issue i think they fixed everybody who got damaged um and we find out that fort max actually sent Goldbug on a secret mission they uh he's taking the disc that has optimus's uh personality on it to go to Nebula. Nebula. Uh, nebula. Yeah. Nebula. Nebulan. Nebulan. They are Nebulans. Oh. Um, nebula. I'm pretty sure it's Nebula. Isn't it? I don't remember. <laughs> nebulos. To, nebulos. Thank you. Yeah. Nebulos. To, uh, to because they will know how to build up op- the proper body.
0: Yeah. And that takes us into the next issue here, number 42. It's called people power. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about how they get more reliant on humans uh, and that's something else that we, we, in the past past couple of books that we've read, you know, Spike would come in and out of the picture, um, or Buster, I mean, would come in and, <laughs> in and out of the picture. Like, sometimes there'd be issues bef- between times that we'd see him and stuff. But now it's like every issue kind of hinges around people in some sort of capacity, um, in, in some way. In this one, we go back to Nebulos. And because we have a different artist drawing Nebulos than the Headmasters Series, um, it's just kind of a, a very different look.
2: Well, oh, the, the 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 general idea is still there, though. I mean, they they still look like uh, Prince Valiant characters. The costumes do is like, but the
0: the world, <laughs> with these bubble, these weird bubble, um, yes, buildings that yes. they have at the beginning are not something that we've ever seen. Uh, in the Headmasters series at all. So in this one, yeah, Goldbug and the Autobots travel to Nebulos to to make this new body for Optimus Prime, and they find out that the Nebulons have poisoned Transformers fuel uh, fuel source so that robots can't live there because of the awful war that broke out in the Headmasters uh, miniseries. They're like... Ain't no way we're letting Transformers back here again.
2: (laughs) Uh, We have some new characters. We have, uh, for the Decepticons, this is the first time we see... uh and it always get Darkwing and Dreadwind. Uh they are two Decepticon jets and they can combine and, to make Dreadwing. <laughs> oh, I always got that confused. They they are very popular uh characters people. They're they're, they're Dreadwind. Dreadwind. Dread Dread Dreadwind is what ha- Dreadwind? Yes, Dreadwind and Darkwing, but they're able to combine the two planes into one super plane which is called Dreadwing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the first and oh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, somehow they're able to uh, still cause havoc on Nebulos, Curtis. But I thought you said they poisoned the uh, of, uh, the fuel supply. So how are they able to fly around causing trouble? Hmm, it's a mystery. I don't remember. A, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Kurt. Because what they've managed to do is, uh, in order to get around the fact that their fuel is no longer viable. Oh, and by the way, this is. Brilliant writing, by the way. This is this is how you introduce new toys. So, <laughs> oh yeah, this this issue is the first time we see the Power Masters. Now, what is a Power Master? You may ask. Uh, well, we have the Head Masters, where little little humanoid creatures become the heads of Transformers. You have Target Masters, where the humanoid creatures become the weapons of the Transformers. Now, Power Masters are when little humanoid creatures become the engines of the Transformers. <laughs> um, in the toys. The gimmick was uh, you had, let's say you had Power Master Optimus Prime. He can't transform unless you take the Nebulon, who turns into an engine, which he looks like a, like a cassette. And he'll press into a slot. In Optimus' case, he'll press into his grill. And once he's in there, it's like a key. Then he'll he'll be able to transform. If you don't put the Nebulon into the toy and try to transform him, you'll actually break Optimus. There's a <laughs> tab in there. So you, I mean, ideally, it wouldn't allow him to transform at all. Right. But it's plastic. So it'll break if you try transforming without the Nebulon. Now, in the comic, the way they explain it is, yes, the fuel on Nebulos' is poison will not sustain Transformer life. So what they have done is the Nebulins become the engines for the Transformers. The Nebulins can eat organic food, regular food. So they eat the regular food, and then they turn into the engines, and they provide the fuel for the Transformer partner who they're with. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did think that this is the
0: philosophical aspect of this issue was interesting of, of them wrestling with the fact that um you know how do we deal with our peaceful planet because this is a city that had no weapons right yeah they're total but now they've invented a poison to keep their enemies away like their their whole world and their whole way of life has been completely shattered because of the transformer war um, to the point where they are compromising their own ideals uh, in order to keep themselves safe. Now, it's
2: it's very. I thought that was quite interesting. Just mm-hmm. that that aspect of it. Um, we have new Autobots as well who came with Bumblebee. Oddly enough, we never seen them before, but uh, they're now here. They're Bumblebee's escort: uh, Getaway, Joyride, and Slapdash. Free partners to join Goldbug and uh, they go to a major factory run by uh, a nebulon named High Q, a very intelligent nebulon scientist and they ask for his aid to help them build the body for Optimus Prime and he explains how the whole uh, poison thing is happening I think I could tell that Jose Delbo
0: was rushing a little bit here this one he uh, is only credited doing the breakdowns uh, and this also is another hint that um that there was some scheduling issues. Uh, and it's also is it also probably because he probably spent a lot of time on that last issue drawing all of those transformers in a huge battle. So he's only doing breakdowns, which means he's, um, if you're not familiar with these terms, uh, he's just kind of roughly uh, laying out the panels in the arrangement that he wants and and placing um, the kind of maybe like the silhouette versions of the characters of, in, the, in the positions that he wants them. And then we have, um, who is it here, uh, Dave Hunt and Don Hudson credited as finishes. So they'll take his breakdowns and they'll do the rest of the pencil work and doing all the, the, the details and then they'll ink it. So he's—and you can tell, like, the, the quality of the output of this issue is definitely not up to the same standard as what we just saw in the last issue. Mm-hmm. Not a chance. It's very, very different. Um, most notably in, in the backgrounds or the lack of backgrounds. Uh, if you any given page, there's, like, nothing in the background and when there is it's just like some lines to indicate a wall or something like that and then the, the also the this the transformers in general are not as detailed in their appearances as Jose Delbo did in the last issue
2: um so Dreadwing Dreadwing and Darkwing uh, are causing havoc they have stolen the idea of the Power Master process and that's why they're going around causing mayhem the Autobots who have come to ask for help to build Optimus rebuild Optimus's body um, they they offered to help deal with this situation, provided that Optimus gets fixed. And so in order to deal with the fuel issue, they all get converted into Power Masters. So Joyride, Getaway, and Slapdash all become Power Masters. Um, And they end up rebuilding Optimus Prime. Haikyuu ends up rebuilding Optimus Prime. And Haikyuu actually ends up becoming the engine for this new office. And uh, at first, Optimus seems to be the same as he was before, but he's been upgraded and now he can also get um, combined with his trailer into becoming the super version of Optimus or Power Master Optimus Prime. The one, probably one of the big grails for collectors at the time was the toy. I don't know if you remember it or not, Kurt. No. Yeah, it was, uh, there was a big ad campaign for it. Optimus Prime is back and he's better than ever. (laughs) And the commercial looked pretty awesome because before the original Optimus toy, his trailer opened up and became kind of like a little base yep you, that you, you had that one right yep um, this version, it became a base. I mean, like, it became, like, this huge fortress. And then uh, in, the com- in the commercial, I remember, he would stand on this plate and panels would shoot out and attach to him became this, like, big bulky <laughs> Optimus. And then when you got the toy, it turns out the entire trailer would fold a certain way and combine with the regular Optimus into making this giant Optimus. It was cool. cool. It was cool. In retrospect, uh, it, yeah, it looked a little goofy, purport- proportion-wise, but it was still awesome. It's still awesome. Awesome. Um, and yeah, and so that's how we get Optimus Prime back. And now Q, who did not want to get involved, he is now part and parcel one with Optimus. He's Optimus's engine, and they can he can't function without him.
0: Uh, you want to move on to the next issue? Yep. So issue number 43. This yeah.
2: is a weird issue. Yeah,
0: so this is the inventory story that they were talking about. There's another term, if you are not familiar with the term inventory story, is that um, this is something that that um jim shooter uh, who is the editor-in-chief at marvel instituted is like if they can hire a bunch of writers to write a whole bunch of stories that don't tie into the the overall kind of ongoing drama that's going on so that if they are late with a publication they can just pull it out of their inventory and slot it in there no problem like it'll just kind of go in there and so, this, yeah, this issue has
2: absolutely nothing to do with any other issue. Now, yeah. the uh, the characters um, they're all they're all from the animated movie, and so we've got Rodimus Prime, Galvatron, Ultra Magnus, Rekgar, um, Sharkticons, Quintessons.
0: Yeah, uh, this issue was written by Ralph Macchio, who wrote the adaptation to the movie uh, that, that he just done this recently so he is well familiar with these characters uh, and it's drawn by alan cooperberg who has done a few issues here and there in the past
2: and it's just a it's just a one-off adventure um.
0: yeah in the future the quintessons transmit a subliminal message to hypnotize the junkions into making war with everybody
2: yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Um, it's actually based on an episode of the show, of one of the season three. Mm. It's, a, it's an adaptation of one of the season three episodes. Season three? Yeah, season three.
2: We have not actually seen Quintessons in the comic before. Um, right. They are television and movie uh, only uh, characters. And this is where, uh, as a one-off, sure, it's a one-off. It doesn't even take place in the current timeline. Right. So you could argue that this is this is just the future and this is what's going to happen. They mention offhand that the Quintessons are at one point the rulers of Cybertron, but they don't go into much more detail than that. Now, in the television show continuity, the Quintessons are actually the ones who created the Transformers. Um, They were the ones... Cybertron was a factory, and they produced uh, commercial hardware and military hardware, and that would eventually become the Autobots and Decepticons, and they would eventually drive the Quintessons out of Cybertron uh, because they were treated really badly by them, and they were exiled to Quintessons. Tessa. But, uh, but in the comics, they don't mention that the Quintessons are the creators of the Transformers. In fact, that doesn't come up till much later on who actually created the Transformers in the comics.
0: Mm. This issue, I watched the episode that goes along with it, and it's almost a shot-by-shot like adaptation. There's not much that's different about it. Now, there are a couple of plot threads that um, that are important to the TV show that they bring up in this that we have no context for, like the journal that they are talking about throughout this issue. We have no idea why it's important. And I'm sure that if we watch the TV show episodes, we find out. I I am I don't remember enough about the other episodes in that season to know what this, this journal is. But um, that was a little confusing. And then also just, I can just imagine reading this as a kid, it's like it has no bearing on um, on anything. It's a bunch of characters that I mean. If we haven't seen the movie, we don't care about. It's it's literally a whole issue full of brand new characters that we've never seen before.
2: If you were a kid, though, at at like at the at the at the convenience store, and you picked this up, though, this is kind of what you would expect the Transformers issue to be if you never read a Transformers. Comic I guess before. so. Yeah, you would be, just be an ad- adaptation so. of an episode that I've already seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I guess if you're familiar with the TV show, um, yeah. I don't know. I I was surprised that it was in here.
2: It was... Um, By the way, they will manage to tie this together. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, don't worry. It, 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 I, some of the stuff coming down the pipe is going to be pretty sweet. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, I don't have much... I don't have anything <clears throat> else to say about this issue because it's... No, it's literally no. just an inventory story. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we can go on if you want to take us through the next one, issue number 44. Now we start tying up
2: some loose ends. This one, I was like waiting for the catharsis on this one. Um, the uh, the Autobots, uh, sorry, the Power Masters, now led by Power Master Optimus Prime, are, uh, I believe they're trying to go home, aren't they? Where yeah. they Where they come across a a train in space. Yeah. Um, and when I saw this shot, do you know Galaxy Express 3.9, Kurt? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It just reminded me of that. Totally. Okay. Like Train in space, um, which is actually a carnival, a traveling carnival with uh, with animals and, and attractions on the inside. Um, and so they come on board and they find out that on this uh, this carnival train, Skylinks is in there and he's performing tricks. And not only that, but there are four uh, attractions that everyone's excited to see. And it turns out that they're Earth children. In fact, it's the same four Earth children that uh, were in Skylinks issues ago
0: so i want to make a little note uh, if you go way back to the issue where um buster was in custody with the autobots on page uh 61 um not not buster um blaster uh, blaster says then i found out grimlock and the donobots were threatening four human children under the protection of Skylink's. i surrendered to guarantee their escape and then he says hardly seems worth it no one's ever heard from them since or never, no one's ever heard from them again and so that was way back then and now we finally get to see them this is this has been like a year i think and blaster's not part of this crew that that is because blaster yeah. didn't so go no to one Nebulas. know
2: so no one knows who these kids they just know that they're kids and we got to rescue them yeah. um and so
0: and it's fun it's fun to see uh just some uh i don't know just just some some creativity here frank springer is the artist and frank springer was the guy who did the original Transformers miniseries before it was considered an ongoing series. Oh, animals. that's why
2: the artwork looks like that.
0: It's very, very familiar. Uh, if if you remember what that looked like at the very beginning, and uh, and it, but also we get to see just a different, like different stuff, cool-looking, uh, weird aliens and different creatures because this circus has gathered misfit, misfits from all over the universe to be a part of their circus. So it's just a, a visually uh, refreshing kind of a tale. Um, I like
2: these kids also.
0: I think these kids are great characters. Yeah I, actually,
2: yeah, I actually like... I don't know. I'm getting like a Mojo World vibe. Totally. Yep, Yeah, You can get that, <laughs> sure. Um, there is a, another human that's in this issue who's like uh, kind of like the Ringmaster, and uh, they have to deal with him to get the kids out. But, uh, yeah, in the end, uh, they rescue the kids, and then they're on their way.
0: Yeah, and we'll see them come back. Although, we'll see them return to Earth in a future issue here. Uh, If you go to page 130, um, there's there's an editorial box in the middle panel that says, see Transformers number 44. Uh, That is a mistake. It should be um, Transformers number 42, if anyone is trying to cross-reference that there. Mm. Um, And then also go to page 135. And I love this, just uh, at the bottom, Optimus says, this show is just beginning, Goldbug. There's more than meets the eye here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't done that, I think, in the entire, entire series, 44, 45 issues here. Is that really and, the uh, first time? And I, I, first time I remember it, <laughs> uh, that they
2: actually say, like, actually use it in their speech. <laughs> Had to happen sometime, right? I remember when the first Michael Bay movie came out and there's that part where Sam says to Michaela, you're more than beats the eye. Yeah. Everybody in the audience groaned. It was, <laughs> that was the one part in the movie where everyone's like, oh, gosh. You have to
0: expect it. It's like when this new Ghostbusters movie comes out, someone's going to say who are you going to call, right? And it's like... It's a catchphrase. Everyone, you have to work it in there somehow. <laughs> okay, moving on here. Uh, issue number forty-five: The Return of Circuit Breaker, Monster Con from Mars, and I love this. Uh, we started. This is on, such
2: a goofy.
0: It's a very goofy. It's such a goofy, goofy episode. Issue.
2: But um, the yeah. Um, this is very 80s, the whole thing. the So, it is a. They're filming a monster movie, and if it's some science fiction thing, mechanoid slash mutant. It's very creature. Flash Gordon.
0: The, the hero is dressed up like a Flash Gordon type of a character.
2: Yeah. Um, and the, the robot. Uh, is malfunctioning and of course there's the director you know dressed like you would expect a director they're really good at doing this remember like was it last volume it was last volume remember there was that used car salesman yes and they drew him like you'd expect a used car salesman totally (laughs) this guy looks like a movie director (laughs) from some (laughs) cheesy production yeah anyway um, he's upset because the, uh, the robot's malfunctioning.
0: And Scorponok sends one of the monster cons to be the new, the new monster in this monster movie.
2: Did and he actually send him to do that? Or would he, I think he was just there. Was, wasn't he just there?
0: Um, he was, he was there the first time, but Scorponok said, you should, you should go undercover and be a part of that. Um, at some point, at least, maybe, he, because um, because he's conflicted. And the thing I like about this issue is that this monster actually has... He has no desire to be an Autobot or a Decepticon. Like, he doesn't care at all about the, the war. He ends up really... Uh, he ends up liking his life. Okay. okay. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> okay. No, no. This is, this is the panel right here. Um, but before Skullgrin responds, he considers the reason he's here. He remembers how several days earlier aboard a Decepticon spacecraft orbiting Earth, Commander Skorpenock gave him orders. Go to Earth. Establish a secret fuel depot for our eventual landing, Skullgrin. As a Decepticon pretender, your outer shell hides your robotic form. Perhaps you'll arouse less suspicion that way. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yep. So, so he's just there. So he's and there. They just, and they just happen to run. The actors and the production crew just happen to accidentally run into him in the forest while he's caught. Causing mayhem. And so they
0: hire him into the show. Um, but he befriends this uh, this character um,
2: or the, the actress, I guess. This is kind of goes is it is it a comedic thing? But they're really making Scorpion seem like an idiot. Like you think no one's gonna notice this giant like <laughs> ox monster? <laughs> but they they'll just think he's a, a Sasquatch type of
0: a apparition. Yeah, that, lady that, one, or that, something. Won't, that won't arouse any suspicion <laughs> whatsoever. Um, but uh, but Circuit Breaker comes in, and it's like she's kind of like just a... She's just tossed in there for no real reason. Um, she she just happens to be there, and it's like, oh, that that big monster is actually a robot, and I hate robots, so I need to go and destroy that robot. And that's all that really happens in the last... And that happens only in the last
2: few pages of the story. Yeah. Oh, this is the other thing I find amusing, too. So they're shooting this movie, and Skullgrin is in the movie. And he ends up becoming a star. Yeah. <laughs> Like he's on Time Magazine, yeah, and everyone loves him, and, and 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 they're they're he's getting pampered and popular, and then the reporters reporters come
0: and say, "Is it true that you're here to destroy us?" And he's like, "No, it's all lies," because he doesn't want he he ends up liking his life. It's <laughs> it's, it's kind of a cool, different story that we've seen, and I I actually these last few issues I kind of like because. Uh, because it's like they're just nice small-scale stories compared to the massive war that we just experienced Um, the the multi-part story and stuff so it's kind of nice to get these like this space circus and we have this movie issue episode and or this movie issue and just it's just a nice change of pace before we kind of get back on track to to what we're going to have uh, in the future here uh, I, I quite enjoy this issue. I know it's kind of goofy and it's kind of silly, but I liked the, the idea of this pretender who pretends so much that he ends up liking
2: what he's pretending to be. This is actually, now that I'm looking at it again, this really reminds me, remember that issue with Skids? Yes. Same, same, similar idea. Mm-hmm. Robot on its own and he meets a girl. Right. right. Um, and then, I can't live this life. I have something I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah she's okay with him being this giant horrible monster but as soon as he gets out of his pretender shell she's like oh, you're a robot <laughs> Well, I'm, we know what the media has been saying about <laughs> robots, so like, you can't be good. And, and Circuit Breaker's like, yeah, I knew he was a robot. And then she proceeds to go kick his butt. It's kind of it's like a, a Hulk
0: kind of, of a story. Yeah. Um, the yeah. Incredible Hulk, that's kind of what he, he would like, go, go crashing through a town, and he would befriend somebody, and then the, the army would be after him. And so he'd get angry and ruin the perfect thing he had going for him, and he'd run off into the sunset or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. On page number 168, uh, we have... Have, um, they're shooting at a place called Englehart Gorge, and that is named after Steve Englehart, who was a Marvel writer at the time. And then 165, there is um, uh, where is it? Her real the the movie star's real name is Ethel Stankevich. St- uh, Stankevich. Stankevich, I think, because it's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill Stankevich is uh, an artist for Marvel at this time. And it's spelled the same way, except it's not Stan. It's S-I-E-N. So it's almost the same as Sinkevich. <clears throat> so I think those are just little nods to, to the people who are uh, also on the Marvel staff at the time. Uh, and if you go to page 167, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that the restoration in this book is really, really spotty. Some of the issues, like the the big war issue, look fantastic. But this issue's restoration and reproduction is absolutely horrendous. And these the, the shots with Circuit Breaker, because there's so much detail in her costume, they draw the lines so thin thin and the poor quality scans here these lines don't show up so she looks pretty much naked and they've kind of sort of got gray gray. blobs on there in order to make it look like her costume is there but it really looks terrible like the the reproduction is very very bad
2: i want to see what the original look like she's always been hard to draw man i couldn't imagine drawing
0: what it's a terrible design like it's worse than robots yeah um, but anyway, yeah, that's that's it for this issue. We can keep on going over here to the next one. Oh, wait. Uh, but uh, what happens to Skullgrin? <laughs> oh, yeah, Skullgrin. He uh, unfortunately, I don't even know. Did he he uh, dies in the end of this, doesn't it? Uh, circuit he Breaker.
2: He gets blasted. And the Circuit Breaker destroys the footage that they were shooting film.
0: We don't really know what happened to him. I mean. I think he's just kind of knocked out because he's going grr. Well, yeah, I guess so. He's speaking at the end. Maybe we'll see him in a future issue.
2: Where that'd, he'll be, die. that'd be cool. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> We'll die and then he'll come back. Okay.
2: Issue 46, Cash and Carnage. Not my favorite issue, Kurt.
0: No. (laughs) However, um, I really did like uh, the art in this one because we're dealing with more people characters. Jose Double has some great character designs. If you look on page 174 and 175, those two um, profile pictures at the bottom up
2: in uh, Rock City. Yeah,
0: they look great. <laughs> they look really cool. It's totally Beep up in Rock City, you're right. But yeah, I mean, this is a kind of a a, a weird issue. Foundation Z hires a bunch of thugs to take out Autobots. <laughs> it's like, okay, the military can't take take these guys out, but let's just, you and your... Uh, your it's like Cobra see. hiring the Dreadnoughts. It's
2: the same <laughs> thing.
0: <laughs> and at the same time, Decepticons send Autobot prisoners through the space bridge to be guinea pigs. Uh, they're building a space bridge trying to connect um, Cybertron and... And Earth again, and these are the Decepticons on Cybertron are sending th- them through this space bridge to see if they'll make it. And a lot of them don't make it. They end up just dying.
2: And I'm pretty sure these are the MicroMasters.
0: Yeah, I don't think they ever say their name or anything. Dogfight, Fizzle, Guzzle, Sizzle, and Backstreet. Override, Flame Feather, Flamefeather, Spark Stalker. <laughs> Though they're fire cons is what they are, they're called fire cons. or some of them are fire cons at least.
2: It's another issue where you're releasing fizzle. Yep, they're sparkabots.
0: Okay, one of them says, uh, "How about um, how about yeah. override or you, flame you, feather?"
2: You push, you push the vehicle, and flames shoot out. They're sparkling. They're sparkling, sparkling transformers.
0: <laughs> nice. You remember those
2: things, like? Oh yeah, did, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they make little sparks for sure. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they're so good that I don't even remember. But yeah, there they are, Sparklebots, Sparklebots.
0: Um, we find out through this issue that the whole thing, the the this Foundation Z is or Foundation Z is actually a big setup. It's set up by Zarek yeah. to uh, just get what they call the Transformer Jammer, and uh, and they're successful. They get the Transformer Jammer, so the Autobots have to make a anti Transformer Jammer <laughs> to
2: to jam the jamming. Uh. Oh, it's another one of those... Uh, what was it on page? It's like Spike. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was Spike. Spike earlier. Page yeah. one eighty-nine, where the executives are actually headmasters, and they, they were wearing like <laughs> yeah. these tight business clothes, and they, they, they rip them off, and underneath they were wearing <laughs> the headmaster armor the whole time.
0: Yep, that's right. Yeah, I mean, this is... I was saying that I like these issues th- that are giving us kind of a little tra- um, little bit of a change of pace. But now, by this point, when I was reading this, I'm like, okay, let's get back to the story now. I'm kind of like, we're it's, wasting so much time. Optimus Prime and everybody is like, they're not even in this issue.
2: Yeah. It, it, it's just, they're throwing in characters we don't know. And I, uh, other than Scorpionok, I don't really care about anybody else. Yeah. I have no interest in reading about them. And, I, and uh, that's no fault on the writer. I mean, you you, you're, you're being paid to sell toys. Yeah. And and this is a clear situation where you don't really get good storytelling because you got to find a way to jam in new characters. And and they've done it's not like they haven't done it before, but in this one it feels like that. It's like uh, I don't know, who these guys are out of Okay, but well, don't yeah. worry. <laughs> next issue. Yeah, so next issue
0: number 47 is Underbase the underbase saga, part one. Part one of four. And that's gonna take us through the end of this episode where we're gonna talk about the underbase saga.
2: The infamous. Are infamous or famous? I guess it'd be famous. People like this. And uh what a way to kick it off. Guess who's on the very first panel? Woohoo! Starscream. Now we saw his
0: box being taken out, um, in that other issue, right? Yep. And so I guess they've put him back. But he's um, he's like the ambassador now of this thing called Club Con, <laughs> and this is definitely like playing off of Club Med from the from the nineties, from the eighties and nineties. Like that's that was a big deal back then. But uh, so Jesse and Blaster visit this club. Oh, Jesse's back, by the way. Yeah, Jesse. We haven't yeah. seen her for a long Quite time. A
2: long time.
0: And she's back, and she's friends with Blaster for some reason. And we don't exactly know because they haven't really met before, I don't think, right?
2: How how did she even end up on here? The, the Decepticons have opened some kind of club and in inviting humans to go to this club. And they get flown there by Starscream. And there's commercials on TV. <laughs> like, real commercials, you know. Call
0: 1-800-555. Oh, yeah, 000. and Buster is in the commercials. That's right. And so, because they never they never rescued Buster in that big battle um, in space, right? They didn't?
2: Oh. Oh my god! You're right. They didn't. Because Spike uh,
0: uh, saw they, they Spike they saw Buster through, other, the, through glass. the glass, and then then um, then Fortress Maximus got impaled, and they never rescued Buster, and so now now they're like, oh here's here's Buster's in these commercials. So obviously this is a Decepticon plot. Oh,
2: that's right. He never rescued him. <laughs> oh, jeez. So um, okay. So why is Jesse there? I don't
0: know. Uh, I'm sure Jesse saw because Jesse has been... Jesse um, was
2: visiting Sparkplug and then uh, Blaster came down. Oh yeah, in an egg, that's right. (laughs) In an egg and needed their help to get onto the island. So Jesse goes to the island, it's being advertised, bringing Blaster with her so they can do surveillance and find out what exactly are the Decepticons up to. Yeah. Because they can't possibly have all of a sudden turned into good guys.
0: Um, I, I love um, Spike's dad's reaction just every single time because Transformers have ruined his life. He is so different than Sparkplug in the TV oh, show yeah. who has completely embraced them. He hates the Transformers. He yeah. hates what they did to to Buster. They kidnapped him. Hates what they did to Spike. Now, he's a he's a Transformer himself. Every time— And he's like lost they,
2: two businesses now? Yeah,
0: his businesses <laughs> keep blowing up. <laughs> and and his, so his reaction here is great. He sees Blaster, and he just is like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Get out of here now and uh, And Jesse's like, "No wait, I'm gonna go and so they go off together and um it's not a secret. they let us readers know right away that this is under base. It's the same spaceship island that we saw before um so it's not they're not trying to fool the the reader or anything like that. Um, but yeah they uh, Jesse does some reconnaissance work and, and actually dives down deep enough into a, into an entrance to underbase and finds Buster in, uh, in their lockup there.
2: And we find out what the whole plan was is that there is an ancient pirate treasure <laughs> oh yeah that's hidden under the ocean somewhere uh, but it's actually from Cybertron from millennia ago and pirates just happened to find this thing this strange powerful power source. And we still don't know exactly what it is. We just know that uh, pirates had discovered it a long time ago, and the Decepticons are now trying to find it under the ocean. Oh.
0: I love that uh, they just invite the whole public. And this club is actually very successful. People <laughs> flock to it. And it's like it's like Jurassic World when they open up that park. All of the people forgot that, you know, a Tyrannosaurus tr- 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 r- rampaged through New York and, and caused a huge problem. And now people are going there willingly.
2: (laughs) What was the point of opening the club, Curtis?
0: Bike says, the Decepticons moved their island here to where the pirate treasure is supposed to be. Seems like Decepticons and Cybertron finally tracked down these two Autobots and ordered Ratbat to find them. Um, The Autobots, the, the treasure is two tapes, two Autobot tape cassettes. Yeah. And it says, so he claimed this island as a sovereign nation and then started this vacation operation to cover up the search for that shipwreck. (laughs) <laughs> you're shaking your head. People can't see, but you're shaking your head right now.
2: Ratbat is supposed to be the like the the the, the super account, the account who's keeping track of fuel resources. I I don't understand how opening a club was really necessary. I mean, obviously we need it as a plot device to get Jesse onto the island. Yeah, right. But I yeah, okay, it
0: also could be like you know the the military not going to come in with their fighter jets blasting everything okay, if there's a good. whole bunch of civilians on the island. I'll buy that. I'll take that. I'll take. that. <laughs> okay. I'll take that.
2: Okay. So in a way hostages, sure. Why not? Okay, go to
0: page number 198. It's the the page where um, it's showing the infomercial. The families coming through, coming to the island for the first time. That bottom panel with the boy with the ball and the the mom in the bikini in the background. There, it's this is some of the worst restoration in this whole book.
2: Oh yeah, it's mm-hmm. bad.
0: The scan is so terrible. The lines, all of the backgrounds, and the colorist, whoever's coloring this, is just gonna guessing where to place the color because there's no discernible line work at all. It's really, really terrible. So are they
2: not going from the original? Are they are they scanning from a comic?
0: I'm sure they're scanning from comic yeah and they're like erasing the the color and whatever so they can get the black line and then they're recoloring everything scans are proprietary so like if marvel does a good scan but then uh, of these transformers comics and then they lose the license, and then the, the license goes over to IDW, IDW has to start from scratch with whatever they can find. Oh. They can't take the master files from Marvel, because Marvel's like, no, 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 these are ours, uh, and vice versa the other way would happen as well. So yeah, they that's sort of, I think, the reason why a lot of these scans are terrible, because this the source material, Wherever they were scanning from must have been pretty poor quality.
2: Moving uh, on to the next issue, um, the return of Megatron on the cover. Megatron? How how is Megatron there? It's about time. (laughs) It's been a while. Um, This issue is called The Flames
0: of Boltax.
1: So if you remember, that was like a three or four issue story arc and involved something called the Underbase, which was this immense storehouse of data, like an ultimate source of power to anybody who could somehow managed to hold it. I guess it was the um, Infinity Gauntlet of its day in some way. <laughs>
0: right, yeah.
1: Okay. And not that I not that I copied the Infinity. I wasn't even... I mean, I might have been vaguely aware of Infinity Gauntlet if it existed, but that wasn't my... Oh, it didn't exist my, at this point. didn't exist. So I, maybe Infinity Gauntlet was. Uh, is the um, underbase of its day. There you go. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so the underbase, um, I believe I buried it in a mountain on Cybertron called Boltax. Yeah. Okay, so earlier today I was talking to my my dear college friend, Janet Boltax. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and we were chatting for a while, and she said, oh, I have to go now. My husband and I are going to watch a television show. I'll call you back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right that in Boltax. I, so I told her back at the, at the time, I told her, I said, you know, I'm writing Transformers comics, and your last name, Boltax, is like a perfect name for that comic book. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> so a little piece of Transformers trivia there. That's that way that that name came from. And we're still really good friends.
0: The Decepticons play back the tapes that they found in the secret pirate treasure, and they learn about an important part of Autobot history.
2: We get to have a flashback sequence, and we get to see old Cybertron, and Optimus is Cybertronian mode, which we've never seen up until this point. I don't think we have. I don't think so either. This is the first time we've seen Optimus is Cybertronian mode, um, which is still a a, a truck with a trailer. It just doesn't look as much like an Earth truck. Yeah. The person who's watching this flashback right now is, is Starscream and
0: Ratbat. I thought this was a cool way to tell a flashback. Yep. To 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 give us a little bit of this backstory, tell the tale of because in the past Bob has just like done an issue on Cybertron or you know, but this is this is different and it's cool to bring Megatron back in this way. So he's not actually back. It's just that we see him in the flashback. Yeah. So that's kind of a neat way to bring the character back, also without actually bringing him back.
2: There is a temple called Boltax. Yep. Um, uh, it is some temple of knowledge. And uh, I believe the Decepticons were going there first. No. Now, Boltax
0: isn't a toy, right? No. That was made for this comic, I think. It has
2: some secret power source, some of unbelievable power. And I, this is before Optimus was actually. Optimus is going to go find some ultimate power that's located at Boltax, and Megatron follows him. And it's kind of like going to like some sacred temple, and there's priests there who
0: are. Um, it says that it can. It the entire mountain is Boltax and it's, it's converted the Boltax has converted himself into a giant containment vessel to store the vast energies of the Underbase and so the the tapes reveal the location of the Underbase and this is what the auto, this is what the Decepticons want because it's an unlimited fuel source which will give them ultimate power and ultimate control over the war and so the autobots need those tapes as well so that they can get to underbase first. that's what it's about, right
2: yeah basically
0: so and this is a nice concept if we're finally getting back to um back to the war, I like seeing Optimus Prime as a young leader, not really knowing what he's doing, making bad calls yeah, yeah. and uh and so just to see because when we know Optimus, he is a very stoic leader, very sure of his leader, his his subjects all. Uh, fully trust him
2: yeah you can tell from this from what's happening right now that he's he's new with this
0: yeah and people are yeah people are questioning him and (laughs) it's uh yeah i i enjoyed this one i thought it was nice uh it doesn't really move the plot overall plot of the story along because it's mainly a flashback but we do get uh some uh we we find out what the, the end goal here is and it just develops the the transformers lore a bit because we get this flashback Jose Delbo's back to being a full penciler uh, in this issue as well. He was in the last issue also, um, but he'd been doing breakdowns for a few issues in the past, past few issues here. But now he's back to full. So we get, uh, and, th- and that's important because this is one of the notable stories. So it's nice that he is uh, putting all of his effort back into, into this. And you can tell because in this issue, there are lots, there are a lot of more explosions there's a lot more backgrounds, there's a lot more detail on the, the Transformers and such, so it's just really good to have a back.
2: Optimus is uh, in the process of getting the underbase when Megatron crashes the party, and uh, the underbase ends up leaving Boltax to go somewhere, leaves the planet. That was the end of the flashback.
0: Right. And so, where does it go? That's what the tapes are supposedly, that's what the, the tapes are supposed to have that knowledge. Uh, so we can go into issue number forty-nine. It's called Cold War.
2: Right before the issue begins, the editorial note gives a list of every single Transformer that dies in the next few issues. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, we won't go through that, but yeah, we're kind of gonna
0: we're gonna clean house here a little bit.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to do something that would uh, have some impact and shake things up, and also to clear out some of the, you know, the excess that was accumulating with all these characters that. Had- yeah. Had been introduced over the last few years into the Transformers. I just tried to create some breathing space, so I didn't have to. I didn't have to be aware that you know these guys are over here doing this, and there are fifty other guys over there. I don't know what they're doing. So let's just move them off the stage for some for some time and not have to worry about them for a while.
0: Yeah, it's not like you were left with only one or two characters even after that. <laughs> so lots right. to choose
1: from. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, A lot of my inspiration for uh, that approach for Transformers is about blowing up characters but keeping in mind that they are, they can always make it back uh, if I want to bring them back. There's just
2: so many characters at this point. Yeah. Every issue has new characters, and it's not manageable anymore. I totally get why you did this. I would do this. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter because you can just bring them back. They just
0: keep the, the parts, the ones, yeah, parts in ones. a box yeah. and store the box somewhere and then pull them out when
2: you need them. This is what I'm saying. As we read this issue that we're about to, um, you will see Transformers get destroyed, but you're, I, I, I don't know if they're destroyed, destroyed. I'm only going on it based on what uh, the editorial notes said. I And I mentioned this during the Transformers, the movie discussion we had, is that in the regular cartoon, Transformers get blown and shot up all the time, and they would be back the next episode. But for some reason, when they did it in the movie, the way it was animated, the damage didn't seem any more severe than what you would see in the regular cartoon. But with the music and the, sh- the lighting, you knew they were done. Yeah. You knew they were dead. And I find that with this comic book version, I can't tell if they're dead permanently or not, or if it's just another time they got blown up. So, guess we'll find out yeah. in the future issues. So in this
0: one, Starscream, we get to see a little bit about Starscream's actual conniving nature. He pits Scorponok against Ratbat, and, um, and they have a, a, a war, basically, a little civil war, and many are destroyed. And he leaves Buster on a nearby iceberg in order to lure the Autobots closer, and his plan is to get to Underbase before Decepticons and Autobots that he can have ultimate power to alter himself, which is typical Starscream uh, behavior,
2: and it works. Like he manages to get everybody yeah. to start fighting. Yeah, it's a great plan. And uh, but like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that a bunch of them end up getting killed this initial skirmish. Here. Yep, yeah, a bunch of them
0: die in the the civil war between the Decepticons, but also when they. Uh,
2: well, in this issue, I think it's just this. I think it's just the Decepticons versus the Decepticons for now. Oh yeah, that's right. There's no auto, like there's no Autobots fighting yet. But see, here's the thing. Um, yeah, they, if you go page, to page like we see 252. the Decepticons get killed uh, with
0: surgical precision. Buzzsaw j- does just that. Much to Cutthroat's anguish, surprise. So ang- uh, Cutthroat's gone. Page Blitzwing quickly follows yeah. his avian ally's success with a side-splitting side swing of his electron scimitar, putting
2: Nora horrible out of action. Yeah. So the Predacons, I'm pretty okay. I'm going to make, I'm going to keep an eye out for it. I, I I, got a feeling. Okay, we'll see. Like on page 254, you see Scorponok rip Tantrum apart. Yeah. Like in the pieces. And I, 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 I'm I, pretty sure they're dead, but uh, we'll see. I'll keep a mental note of that. According to this right now, the Predacons are dead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um.
0: Yeah, they went out of their way to name these guys that they're that that are in the battle. I feel like they're purposely kind of giving them a last hurrah. Is that what it is? Uh, that's that's kind of the yeah, feeling yeah, I get. That would make sense. Because otherwise, it's like we've had these battles where it's just like there's scraps and heaps of transformers on the ground afterwards, but we didn't know which ones were which. But these ones, they're actually naming them like by name, like specifically calling them out as ones who are falling and i think that's because they actually are dying all right but you know it still means nothing because starscream was was rebuilt
2: (laughs) this is it kurt this is the final issue the 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 super famous one where tons of transformers die (laughs) dark star uh this is the conclusion of the underbase saga um starscream manages to procure it and uh, it's kind of neat how they draw him too like he is i don't want to say pixelated but i don't know what else what else would you call it he looks cool on the cover yeah yeah he's just got a lot of detail
0: and i think it's because he's he's huge now like he's a the the ultimate power i guess or whatever it is has made him massive so he is, uh, it's just to show that he has more detail. It's kind of like Unicron. Unicron yeah, yeah, has that yeah, kind of yeah. detail as well. And
2: uh, the Autobots and Decepticons realize that Starscream is a major threat. And so they put aside their differences and they decide to team up. Yep.
0: And we have again on page 265. We have uh, more of these Autobots or more Transformers being called up by name. In mere moments, Buzzsaw cannon blasts Omega Supreme, Mind, mind Wipe Maul's H. Okay. Okay. Astro Train ironically, <laughs> ionically disrupts Slingshot. The, the, the Buzzsaw killing
2: Omega Supreme. <laughs>
0: you don't buy it? I can I, I, I can't.
2: I can't. I can't. <laughs> Although, I think that would be considered sweet revenge. Because I don't know if you remember, Kurt, um, Omega Supreme is the one who killed Buzzsaw. Oh, so that's, uh, that's I, I wonder if that's why he did that. Yeah? But, yeah, Buzzsaw could not have killed Omega Supreme. What are we talking about here? <laughs> this is... This is trite. Um oh, oh, you see Mirage like oh, hey, you're on the on the
0: bottom of page two sixty five. It's um,
2: what's the the, the what? oh, it's the Skullgrin. Skullgrin. Yes, <laughs> there he is. There he is. He is here. He's part of the battle. I wonder if he dies in this battle. Um, hard to say. Yeah, yeah. They kill. They kill a bunch of Transformers. They killed the uh, the Seekons, and they just introduced them an issue earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor Mirage. Mirage. Uh, <clears throat> I guess in the original miniseries of the cartoon, he was kind of a, a major character. And even in the original miniseries of the comics, he was kind mm-hmm. of a major character. And, and then you don't hear about him for ages, and you finally see him again, and you see him explode. That's right. <laughs> it says, um, with a single wave of Starscream's
0: hand, Hound, Blue Streak, Mirage, Hoist, Brawn, and Gears cease
2: to function. Oh wait, wait, wait. Ooh, wait, what? Which page are you looking at? Two seventy nine. Oh, th- I'm looking at earlier when Mirage died. What? <laughs> Mirage died He died on page two sixty five. You see him again expl you see him explode. Right next to Omega Supreme. Octane scorches Mirage. His head like blew off. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. And tracks is like bathed in acid. Yes, like
0: that's so brutal. Wait. So wait. Wait. wait what were you looking at? What page? I, page two seventy nine. This is after Starscream go, gets all the power and he becomes huge, and he's starting to take out Autobots just with the. Uh,
2: see, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. So on earlier, the one that the panel that I pointed out in the big fight where Buzzsaw takes out Omega Supreme, you see Mirage explode. He's falling into pieces and then you go to page 279 and he he
0: dies again he dies again <laughs> it, it must have must have been uh, Mirage's brother who was also named Mirage <laughs> but then the the panel below that uh, goldbug is blasted to bits and he takes out all of the aerial bots and like everyone the Seekons are gone uh, it's just it's brutal uh, he basically all of the, dies all, in this yeah, issue all as of well. the
2: all of the original um, autobots from the original Earth landing. They this is where they did this is where they bought buy the Bio-the farm. A whole bunch of the DinoBots. Yeah, the DinoBots too. All of them, including of them. Grimlock. Not Grimlock. I think on page
0: 284 it looks like Grimlock gets blasted.
2: Oh, yeah, gets blasted. Oh, and he looks like a charred wreck.
0: Yeah, he's gone. It you know, it this was a really exciting issue even though all of these guys die. Um it's like it's like the coming of Galactus, right? You have this massive formidable force that is unlike anything you've ever seen it happens to be starscream for of all people and but he's got this massive cosmic power and he just takes out everybody he's actually uh, very very frightening and it, it was exciting to see the autobots and decepticons have to team up to see that um, the destruction is real and it has long-lasting effect, or we hope it has long-lasting. See, that, that's, this
2: is what I'm talking about. The, that mirage bit, for example, right? Like, well, that's just an editorial How, mistake. I think. It, okay, let's say it's an editorial mistake. I don't think he, he. I don't think mirage is the only character. I think we've seen the aerial bots get destroyed multiple times. <laughs> you see the throttle bots get destroyed. Oh, and see, and and then all of a sudden, if you look on bottom of page two eighty-three, there are the Predacons again. Well. I just have to chalk that up to being so many transformers that who can keep track of all of them? No, I know, I know, but it's just—it's just like I know that I know that they die in this issue. Yeah, I know that this issue is where they all die. But then earlier they look dead just as bad. <laughs> yeah. So I don't—I'm not—I'm not traumatized by these deaths as I was by the movie deaths. Yeah. The movie deaths traumatized me. This one, I'm like, yeah. oh, they'll probably be back.
0: I also wonder if there's a disconnect, because the way that they were writing is that uh, um, it, it's called Marvel style, where Bob the writer would write his, you know, a rough, a detailed plot, but it wouldn't, he, he wouldn't break it down panel by panel. Then he'd hand it off to the artist, and Jose would then draw the whole thing based on the plot. He would, so Jose would be in charge of the pacing of it. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I would love to talk to Jose Delbo and see what he says. Um, like with so many transformers, did he actually pay attention to who was who, and or mm. did he just like pull a bunch, a handful of transformers out of his box, and say, mm. "Okay, I'll draw these ones in this panel," and then Bob gets it and has to add. Then he adds his dialogue so that the pictures make sense with the plot that he's trying to describe. And there's just probably like. Mirage dies and then Bob probably doesn't even remember that Mirage dies and he's a couple pages later he kills Mirage again (laughs) it's like (laughs) there's just there's just a lot of things that could happen to make that I just can't imagine there's any sort of book that has over a hundred characters is bad news no it's just not a smart not a smart move and
2: and maybe there's another maybe there's another reason why it's not as impactful for me Um, so my wife and I were watching uh, a Korean drama right now have you ever seen a Korean drama before no very melodramatic Yeah. Lots of flashbacks. Okay. They try to milk the emotion out of everything that happens, right? So they'll flashback, flashback. When Optimus died in the movie, the music, the somber atmosphere, the way everyone was staring as he died—you knew he was dead, and yeah. it was heartbreaking. I'm looking at page two ninety-one. Blaster, who has been the protagonist several times, who we like. This is the part where he dies, and there's no one going no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just oh, I've seen him come but back. But that's from the worse. realities of war. No, I, you know, you that's, know? The, that's the other thing I think about too. Is like. In a real war, when you have like say thousands of people, you can't cry over every single person. There's you don't no have time. time. You There's no time. time. Yeah, you're right? just not thinking about and it. And so they're doing it like that.
0: And you probably wouldn't even know. Yeah. Like, because that guy's over there and this guy's over here and like, yeah. that
2: guy dies and you, yeah. I'm not really saying. So I don't really know what I'm. I'm saying it, I get it. I get it. You can't. You can't whine on every single character that dies. Because that would be too many. Uh, yeah, no. But at the same I, time, yeah. it's kind of crappy for Blaster. It's Blaster.
0: Well, and Goldbug as well. Yeah, you know?
2: Goldbug. Nothing. You no. see him blow up.
0: Well, I, I think that's part. Partly is it's hard to do that in comics. Um, because you don't get music, like you have to portray the the emotion through the body language. Yeah, and it's, it's through like, any sort of yeah. words that you put on there, yeah. any captions or something.
2: Because yeah, animation lends itself really well to all all the senses. Like yeah. sorry, sound, Except smell, visual. <laughs> yeah, and then with with books, with actual books, you can imagine the scene yourself and see the movement yourself. But when you're looking at a comic, you're looking at a still frame. It a makes snapshot, you do some work. You
0: have to decide how yeah. to react to this because there's nothing. Like the music isn't going to cue you to be scared or to be to be sad. Um, I I still think that it was impactful. And I think especially if people were really into Transformers and knew all the characters and, and like, as a child, I would have been reading this issue over and over again. Mm. I read all of my old Spider-Man comics over and over again. It's not just a one-time thing. So I would, by the the fifth or sixth time I read it through, I'm looking at every single character trying to identify which ones are which and then realizing which ones are dead and which ones are being blown up. Like, I think this is a pretty exciting issue. Um, and that's the end of the Underbase saga. It's kind of like it's. It's actually. A, I found it to be a pretty quick read. Is definitely the highlight of this volume. Yeah. Uh. You. You said you reread it and didn't think it was as good, but I don't. I don't have that first like that nostalgia or the this was my first time reading it so i'm comparing it to the other issues that that are in this volume and especially the the stinkers or the clunkers that came before this underbase saga uh this was definitely good Uh, and it fit really well with the beginning issues where they fight uh, in outer space the whole uh, fortress maximus saga at the beginning Mm. i thought it kind of worked really well in tandem with that just too bad we had those filler issues in the middle uh, to, to kind of lessen the lessen the blow. So thumbs up. Yeah, I think so. I'm. I think it was a good end to Bob Budiansky's run on Transformers. I think he actually has a couple issues after this. Maybe I can't remember if this is his last final issue or not. I should have checked the. Um, so, but.
2: what do you think? Did you? I guess you talked to him. Like, well, I guess obviously you wanted to cull the cast quite a bit. And when you think about it, actually, that that does make sense because if you're introducing a character that month because the toy is coming out that month, and you don't plan on using that character again, why not kill him off? You yeah, could, you could kill him off every issue. You could introduce him and kill him off in the same issue.
0: Well, well, and the the Transformers toys were coming out so fast that the that that Hasbro didn't care about promoting the old lines anymore because the new lines were out, so it's like he introduced all these characters, feel free to kill them off after that because there's no more toy to promote because they're onto the next thing, yeah, so yeah, calling all of these characters is probably fine, and it provides a fresh start for the next writer to come on board and um and give a you know he now this guy can choose if he's gonna bring back any Transformers specifically which ones he wants to bring back and uh, and what it, what, it, what his plan is now by this time in 1989 are they still making new Transformers toys or yeah they are, are they make them they make new
2: toys up to the 1990
0: 1990
2: 1990?
0: yeah so this is kind of getting up to the end of the toy
2: line then as well then yeah I mean when they make Pretenders. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're running a little short on ideas. I know, I know. Transformers that can spark when you push a little trigger. Oh, it gets worse later, Kurt. There's a point. I don't know if you remember, and this, they, they start showing up later. Sort of. They don't call them out by name. Do you remember Power uh, Action Masters? No. Action Masters were were like this was like the end of the Transformers. It was uh, they were Transformers based on the classic like Grimlock. I think Jazz, uh, Bumblebee, Optimus. They were about the size of a star wars action figure okay and they couldn't transform oh i think you told me about these guys yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and they had elastics on the inside that would allow them to snap their <laughs> arms <laughs> right. and punch and like do intense action yeah yeah uh, oh boy and they couldn't transform uh, although they they sat in vehicles that could transform <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so moving forward, we've got two episodes left. Is it only two? Yeah, so we've got um, volume five and then volume six. And volume seven has a few of like, the last few issues, but it also has like the, the Headmasters miniseries, which we've already talked about. So what I want to do, and, and so volume five of Transformers has the beginning of a, a multi-part story called The Matrix Quest. Yep but volume five has like part one, two, and three, but not part four and five that's in volume 6. So I'm thinking for the next episode, let's just read to the end of Matrix Quest. So okay. we can get that whole story and talk about it in one episode, and then the following episode, since it's going to be a few issues short, we'll just tack the, the last remaining issues that are in volume 7 into volume yep, 6. That makes sense. And then we'll just so we can wrap up the entire rest of the Transformer series in two volumes in two episodes.
2: Sounds good to me. Awesome.
0: Well, this has been a lot of fun talking to you about this again. Um, it's Too bad we had to delay it because of the the pandemic here, but it's uh, we're sitting on the front porch of, of Peter's
2: house. Yeah, here. so sorry you might have heard some noises from vehicles <laughs> or uh, from sirens, but uh, yeah, we're out on our front porch, being uh, socially responsible and socially distant.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so I think we'll just uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, don't forget to follow us on facebook and twitter and instagram epic marvel podcast join my epic collection group on facebook and uh stay safe everybody and we'll see you next time we
2: talk about transformers good night everybody